Hello, welcome to Conversations at Midnight. Today is going to be a nice day. Uh, it's a beautiful night. Has a nice spooky atmosphere. And uh, as usual, I just can't help but not record on a night like this. So tonight is a... Tonight I'm going to have some sort of high expectation. Uh, because I think that this is just going to be really fun. And really enjoyable. So before I dive into it, I would like to give you a time or just a couple seconds to dim the lights, maybe light a couple candles. I know I'm going to do the same. And just sit back and relax. Because this this episode truly is going to be a conversation with two people. So please go ahead and prepare yourself. I know I am. And I'm gonna I'm gonna light this candle and we're gonna get right into the show. There you go. As you saw from the title, today's topic at hand, um and I, I really didn't know how to go about in naming it. So the most that I stuck with is what I found out to be is a Native American tale. And that is depending on who you speak to. Um, and on the last episode, I was talking about a good friend of mine who went on that hiking trip or that hiking camping trip and... Him and his friend were in the woods and essentially there was no sound and nature was quiet. And um, I remember when I was making the podcast months ago, my friend told me that I should at some point include this this topic within the podcast. And I thought, you know, during the construction of this episode, before I was going to do as I was doing all the research and everything, I thought, you know what, what better way? than to have him come talk to me about it as a conversation, as the title of the podcast would include. So I called him up, asked him to do it. Um, It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but he said yes. So before before I go into anything, he, he wanted to also keep a sense of um, he wanted to be just like me anonymous he wanted to not share his name or anything at least as of right now in this current uh, state that he's in very much just like me so we went back and forth and we decided to um, to come up with these stupid names just as like a placeholder. So since I try to upload every Tuesday, we decided to go with, for me, I'll be called Tuesday. And for this show, he is called Wednesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, that is the rules of the show. That is what he has requested. And that is what something, and that is something that I have, um, that I have agreed to and added my own twist to it. So for the sake of the episode and for conversation... He will be Wednesday, and I'll be Tuesday. I'll say that one more time. 
I will be Tuesday, and he will be Wednesday. If it's too confusing, I'm sorry. We like privacy. So, without a further ado, I would like to introduce uh, my good friend, Wednesday. Wednesday, how the heck are you? Hey, Tuesday. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Of course, of course, man. Um, you know, I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't I don't really know uh how to even start this topic but so let's let's go um you know what let's go give you a proper proper uh introduction so to speak and that is uh, have you in your life experienced anything weird and uncanny Oh yeah quite a number of times Oh yeah well do you do you have a particular story that you would like to share because I'm sure that uh that the listeners would love to hear it, and I know I would too. Okay, I can share. I can share a story about the time I encountered a uh, shadow man. It's still uh, very prevalent. A shadow life. man. Yep, a shadow. A man. shadow man. Really. Yep. Now, are we? Now, there's some stories um, that I've heard. Uh, so, kind of, kind of like the first. Um, the episode that I had for the podcast where my friend was in the apartment building and he said that he saw a really dark shadow humanoid shape eight feet tall. Is it something along that? Is it, would you say that that's something yeah. that fits it or is it, is this something else entirely that you have experienced? I mean, it's difficult to compare, you know, shadows. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would say, um, was it eight feet tall? I mean, I'm not going to say it was, but it was definitely tall. It was, it was at least at the age I was, I was around 15, 16 when this occurred. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't completely grown. Um, I'm around 5'11 now, so I was probably 5'9 at the time. Um, and to me, it was tall. Sure. To me, it was tall. So I'm going to say, did it, was it eight feet? I don't know, but did it feel like it? Yes, it, it did. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, I would... I well, let's just jump right into it. Let's let's go hear it. All right. So I'm going to condense this story because this happened over, you know, months in my life. But okay. I'm going to condense it into kind of, you know, a small summary. But um, so in the house I'm in, when I was a young child, around 10-ish, I've always been scared of the room in my house that I would call the red room. And it was called the Red Room because the previous owners um, before us had a girl and she painted her walls red and she had hearts on it. Um, and that was going to be my room because it was the second biggest room in the house, obviously uh, second to the master bedroom. And I'm an only child, of course. So, you know, there's no competition and I was going to sleep in that room. But I was always terrified of that room ever since I was young. Um I would try to sleep in there, and every time I did, my mother would tell me that sometimes I would come out, and I'd wake her up, and I would say, Mom, they won't let me sleep. And she would come out, and my mom's a very spiritual woman. She always has been. I've been brought up to kind of be in a spiritual uh, belief system. And she said, she told me she'd grab her camera, and she'd take a photo inside the room, and she said there'd be orbs everywhere. Well, orbs. orbs, 
orbs everywhere, balls of light. Um, skeptics would say dust particles, and I'm not going to say that's not true, but there were many of them. Um, and I was always terrified of that room and of every other room in the house. That would be the room, the red room. Um, eventually, I grew out of it. Um, I went into high school. Uh, you know, I put on my big boy pants and we painted the room blue. So it went from uh, red to blue. And then when this story happened, we painted it this brownish maroon, maybe you could say. So because it's this darker color, when you turn the lights off, it's, you know, it's really dark in that room. And every animal that I've owned, we've, we've owned cats, no matter how many times they've walked into my room, They've always walked into it as if something's wrong. They're, they're jumpy. It's very easy to make them jump. They're skittish. They sniff all over the place no matter how many times they've been in that room. And my cats, you know, I have a great relationship with my cats. Um, it's not because they're scared of me or my scent. Um, in fact, some may argue I'm the favorite. <laughs> um, but it doesn't matter. They're always scared of that room. So I'm going to jump into the story now. So that was kind of the introduction of, you know, that kind of room. So one night during high school, um, I go to sleep. And I had this very vivid dream. And it starts off where I am with um, a random uh, acquaintance of ours, actually. Um, but uh, he's in this dream. And... We've agreed to do a paranormal investigation for this lady. She's very scared and frightened. And she's like, can you please do this investigation? And the acquaintance and I agree again, right now we're in the dream world and we agree. And I tell the acquaintance, Hey, I want you to set up cameras. You sit into the van. The van's kind of like a control room. And, um, you watch while I sleep. And if anything happens, you let me know. Cause in the dream, we were connected via a mic piece. And he goes, yeah, man, that's cool. Well, in the dream, it was exactly my room, okay? The red room that's now this kind of brownish maroon. That's the room that this lady had. Of course, it's a dream. I don't think about it at the time. I'm like, whatever. So I crawl in bed. And um, I'm, I'm in bed, and I'm sleeping in the dream. And my friend comes on the mic, and he says, hey, Wednesday, um, I think I saw movement. And in the dream, I'm sleepy. I'm like, no, I don't think you saw anything. And he goes, dude, something's crawling on the bed. And I feel the bed jolt. And as soon as it jolts, I get attacked by this thing and I snap out of the dream. So in, in the dream, you were attacked. In the dream, I was attacked. It jolted me awake. So now we're in the real world. And... I always have the hardest time describing this feeling, but I've never been tased, but I, that's the best way I can explain it. Imagine electricity coursing through your body, entering your veins. My entire body tingled and I kind of raised on my bed. Like I contracted, like my muscles contracted and my chest raised and I started lifting. So the back, so my back was lifting off the bed you can imagine this um, because I much like being shocked. 
you can't control the contractions of whatever it is that is hitting that part of your body. So like the muscles of that body will begin to flex on their own involuntarily. Exactly. I had, I had no control over my body and I opened my mouth up to scream because I was horrified and nothing but a whistle, just air came out of my mouth. And I want to iterate this. I opened my mouth to scream because I was trying to wake up my parents because I, I knew something was wrong, but the only thing that would come out of my mouth was just air, just a whistle. Um, did you, did you, like, in this moment, did you feel like there was the danger? Like, did you feel like yes, there was really yes? Well, so you yourself felt like you were in harm. Yeah, I was in flight, and I was in fight or flight. Um, when I woke up, I was immediately in, in fight or flight. Um, I was, I had adrenaline pumping and as soon as the electricity stopped, you could say, and I was able to kind of gain control over my body, I stood frozen and I looked over and in the corner of my room where the door is to get out was this black figure that was darker than the darkness in the room. He stood out. Darker than the darkness in your room. Yes. This shape, this man, was jet black. I mean, void. That, I mean, he was, it was staring into the abyss. It was, you have the pitch black that is just the normal absence of light. And then there sure. was what he was. And it's just like what little light was in the room. It's like he absorbed that, whatever this thing was. I mean, pitch black. I could see his outline. So in a weird way of speaking, he was uh, the blacker than black. Yeah. Really? He, yeah, he was. Oh, my goodness. And when I saw him, I stared at him for a long time, and I couldn't <laughs> move. And when I say I couldn't move... I don't want people to think this was sleep paralysis. I was very capable of moving. But I, Tuesday knows about this, but I have something called the Wednesday rule. Uh, and that's usually where my rule of thumb is I don't make a move until it makes a move. Now, this rule hadn't been invented yet, but this is the story that invented that. <laughs> um, and I'm staring him down. And I'm sweating bullets. I'm shivering, but I'm sweating bullets, and I'm so confused. You're shivering in fear. In fear, yeah. I, I'm in pure flight. In genuine flight. fear. In genuine. Oh my goodness. I I I feared for my soul, and I remember my grandmother. She used to tell me when she was a little girl, she used to see a spirit, and she told me. Funny enough, she would she would say. When I was a girl, you know, I remember I saw a spirit, a man that was darker than the, than the night in the room. It, he was blacker than black. And she really? always, yeah. And she said, Wednesday, if you ever see him, you say in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. Now, she said this right. when I was five, when I grew up to six, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, whatever, grandma. Uh, um, but now I'm experiencing it. And I remember I just... I, I started just in my head. I couldn't speak yet. 
in my head. You you weren't able to communicate. No, and I don't, and I can't. I don't know if it took my voice away or if I was just so into a fight or f- flight response that hmm. um, my body would let me. I don't know, but in my head, I just kept chanting, "In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you." In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, and it didn't go away. It stood there <laughs> and stared at me, and I remember. This is, you know, I remember I closed my eyes because mm-hmm. I thought I would wait him out. I knew right. it was. I mean, that seems like the thing that yeah. I would do. Yeah. You know, it's almost like taking the blanket and shoving, you know, having it go over your head. Exactly. And that's basically what I, what I did. Um, and I just, I waited it out. I just closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes, I was thinking, okay, you just have to make it till sunlight. It's It's got to be almost sunlight. Um, and I do want to know, it was 3 o'clock in the morning when I sent this mm, because okay. I would set my alarm for 4 a.m. because uh, that's usually when I would kind of start to wake up and get ready for school. Um, I'm, a, oh. I'm a very slow riser, so I need a lot of time to just get up and process it. <laughs> so it was around 3 a.m. when right. this was happening. And when I had my eyes closed, I got, I don't know how to explain it, I got zapped again. He shocked me. The same electric jolt. It wasn't as strong as the beginning, but it was like almost, I don't know, a love tap. I mean, it's kind of essentially what it felt like. Just like he poked me saying, I'm not done. And I open my eyes up, and he's no longer in the corner of the room. He's towering right over me as I'm laying in bed. He's standing over your he's bed. Sta- he's standing over. He's on the side of my bed by the alarm clock, and he's looking down. Did you did you hear him move? No, or anything, or? I didn't even see him move. It was it was pure silence. It was pure silence, and you know you know those cliches in horror movies or horror video games where. You see the enemy, and he won't move until you turn your camera. And then when you look back, he's there. Oh, oh, um, sure, sure. That was basically how he acted. I never saw him move. I never physically saw him move. He just he waited for me to close my eyes. And it's almost like he got upset that I stopped looking at him. It's what I, oh I felt from this experience is I felt he enjoyed that I looked at him and that's a disturbing way of, uh, yeah. Of having it said, you know, that's a, yeah, it was, that's disturbing it was, to even think about it, having something get angry at the idea that, uh, you don't want to look at it anymore. That just disturbs me. Yeah. It, it was malicious. I mean, I felt, I felt evil in this thing and I stared at it for an entire hour and longer because it hit 4 a.m. and my alarm went off and I still didn't move to turn it off. So now I'm staring at this thing with a loud alarm blaring in my ear. (laughs) Wait, so it didn't care that you had an alarm that was... No, it didn't even react. It didn't even react to the sound. Really? It just stood and stared at me or I assumed it stared. Obviously, you know, I didn't see facial features. Sure, But it was towering over me and I stared at it for God knows how long until finally I closed my eyes again. Okay. And I opened them and he's now back in the corner of, of the doorway 
and I guess the <laughs> the courage of God came over me. I don't know, but I didn't waste no time. I didn't let myself even think about what I was about to do. I jumped up, slapped my alarm, and I bolted out of my room, opened the door, and I ran into the bathroom, and I hung out in my bathroom the entire rest of the night with the lights on, waiting <laughs> for uh, it I to be time you. to go to school. I don't blame you. I, w- I would have done the same thing. Yep. Either that or I would have ran to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's there's one thing I fear most than that ghost, and that was waking my mother up in the morning. <laughs> so, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, it tormented me for months after that. It, and Oh, so you had more experiences after this yes that was probably my most severe experience it really wanted a good introduction i guess um sure but the best i can describe is it played the mind it played the long game it played a long game with me and this is this is gonna sound fake and i know you always hear people say i swear you know this happened but you know i don't know how to convince anybody but i'm it got to the point where I became accustomed to knowing when it was about to strike because my bed, I want you to imagine this. Do you know the feeling when you're sitting in your bed and you're trying to sleep and your partner tries to crawl into the bed without waking you up, but you still feel the jolt? Yeah. Yeah. I would feel that. It's like a light shake almost. Exactly. And my bed would shake lightly and I would feel like it's hands pressing down on the bed as if it's crawling up to me. Oh my goodness. And the hair on my body would start to stand up. I would, and adrenaline would start pumping. I immediately start sweating and it would scratch my uh, covers at the time were made out of this material where you could scratch it with your nails and it would make a very audible sound. And he would scratch it. Whatever this thing was, he would scratch it. And then if I didn't react, he would zap me again. It was almost like him zapping me was his final hurrah. Like if everything else failed to grab my attention, he tasered me. Um. And the same thing would happen. I would jolt, my muscles would contract, and I would open my mouth up to scream and nothing but air would, would come out and repeat exactly like the first night. I'd just stare at him. And he'd just stare back at me. And, you know, not to draw this out, I'm going to wrap this up with, like, the biggest finale. Um, well, I think it's a finale. Eventually, I graduate high school. And it, these encounters start to slow down. Um, I always joked and told my friends, you know, he got tired with me. I, I became too used. <laughs> he, he wanted to move on and find someone he can, you know, shock again because I mean it. I, I got accustomed to him. Like I went to bed going, okay, well, I know this is going to go down, so I might as well prep myself. It almost, it almost wasn't scary. It started getting annoying. So eventually I move out of high school and – 
I'm half Danish. My father's from Denmark, so I got Danish citizenship, and I got an opportunity to move to Denmark and study abroad and everything. So I moved to Denmark. Sure. Nothing, no problems, no demons in bed, nothing. I sleep like a baby. An entire year passes. Mm-hmm. And I come home to visit my parents again. And on the first night in bed, and I've forgotten about this thing, I feel my bed jiggle. Oh, I'm sure that that must have brought you back a whole bunch of memories. Instantly. When when my bed shook, I opened my eyes and my hair, everything like clockwork, my hairs stood up and... Here's the funny thing. I've it zapped me, but it was so light. Like instead of no muscles contracted, nothing. It was like it was like a soft pulse went from my leg up to my head. Like almost as if it laid its hand on my leg gently. And that was the last encounter basically with it. It was almost so it didn't crawl on your bed or anything. It it just touched your leg. Didn't tour. It was almost like it was saying goodbye. It was almost like, hey, it's been fun, and I've not had an experience since. Wow. Well, that's a colorful story. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Well, I mean, what a what a fine way to uh, have that as an introduction for you. I mean that was that was beautiful. Thank um you. how did you I okay, I, I do have a few questions and this will eventually uh be asked again once uh the topic uh starts to unfold. But when it comes to this with the shadow man, if you will, <clears throat> what if someone was to tell you, Okay, um you were hallucinating, you were too, you were too tired, you were experiencing a sense of fatigue. What do you say to them? Well, it's funny you say that because someone did say that to me. Um, when I when he came back, when I came back from Denmark, and he came back, it disturbed me so much that I went on to a forum, and I actually asked. It was it was some kind of clairvoyant lady, um, and I took a shot in the dark and I told her my scenario, and she wrote back and said, "It's just stress." Um, it's just your body's way of dealing with stress. And if you had told me that in high school, I might have believed that because obviously high school is stressful. When I came back from Denmark, um, my life was going well. I wasn't stressed. I was happy. I was, you know, I was glad to visit my parents and, um, I had did what I set out to do. I graduated from, um, they have these things in Denmark called, uh, which, is kind of we don't have them in the states. It translates to high school, but it's 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 like a folk school. Um, I had graduated. I had made friends. You know, I, I was doing well for myself. I wasn't stressed, and still it came back and repeated itself. And I remember when I read that message, and she was like, "Oh, it's stress." I felt angry because. It just kind of felt like she took the story and tossed it to the side, like, oh, you know, right. 
there's a logical explanation for this. And I'm sure there might be, but I don't think we have that answer to what that is yet. I don't know if science has that answer yet because what I saw, what I experienced, I mean, I don't want to sound like the same broken record that every other person in this world always says, but yeah, I know what I saw. I know what I felt. Um, and to me, it's weird that I go a whole year on the other side of the world, miles away from that room, and not have a single episode. Mm-hmm. And then the first day I'm back, it happens. And it wasn't like I went into the room thinking about, oh, this creature's in here. I had completely forgot he existed until that first night back. I don't know how you explain that. Well, it's it's really interesting. Um, well, for one, I don't know how you explain it either. Because to me, when I hear that, it almost sounds like your house is haunted. <laughs> you know, like there's something mm-hmm. in the house and it's not something wrong with you. You know. And the other thing is, I uh, it's interesting that you said that you were angry because it felt like she took it and threw it aside. Because I feel like that's, that's a common trend um, with people who um, are exploited by an entity where they try to explain it to somebody and then they, you know, oh, it's nothing. And then they become um, mad. You know, they become, uh, and, and in some cases, um, even depressed because they're trying to express themselves and people keep on, um, you know, they always get shot down. And it's interesting that you had that because that's something that you see in like the films, you know, uh, in like the Conjuring films, especially in the first one. The wife is trying to explain in the husband. Ah, it's just the wind, you know, and no. so it's really interesting that you experience and And I'm sorry that you went through that, you know, because it must be really hard that you're being used almost literally by something that is um, pure evil and you don't know what to do. And you feel like you can tell people, but yet it's not good enough, you know. So I'm sorry that 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 you went through that. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's this is obviously speaking in the future in hindsight, but a part of me is almost glad I went through it because it uh, it really opened my mind to not be so close-minded. You know, I was never really a close-minded kid, as I said. My mother raised me to really kind of believe in the whole spiritual world. Um, sure. But it's one thing to just be told about that. And it's another to experience it. And it was a very terrifying time of my life going through it. But it's, it's nice to now have that as an experience. So if someone comes up to me saying, this is what happened, I now have something to relate to. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than relation when it comes to human beings. I mean, once you relate to somebody, it's so easy to click with them. And I think in that way, I'm almost grateful for the shadow man for visiting me as strange as that might sound. Maybe it's Stockholm syndrome. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a great intro and thank you for sharing that with us. No problem. And, um, I guess I asked you that question. I'm sure some people might go, well, why did you ask him that? This isn't a part of the topic. Well, I wanted to ask you because I feel like when I, um, when I, when I've asked people in the past, um, 
if they've experienced anything and they share with me these experiences and then they hear other stories and things like that. I feel like for people who have gone through it, um, the right kind of people, I do think that there, unfortunately, I do think that there are people who would like to milk this, um, things like this, you know, when it comes to the weird and the unusual, you know, whether it's to make money or, or anything like that. And, uh, I feel like from my own point of view or from my own, uh, self, uh, mental stability, I guess, to feel good about the conversation at hand. When I ask you this, it's, um, it's because for topics like what we're about to talk about, it makes me wonder if, if you're aware and if you're, um, and if you understand and you're not a gullible person, you know? So I liked the idea within the story that you had the back and forth, you know? Cause the one thing I, I'm not a big fan of is someone who's a gullible person. Like I'm not a fan of people who jump to instant, uh, instant things where it's like, I don't know. Um, the curtains move. Oh my gosh. We're this, this house has, has a demon in it. I'm not a fan of that. You know, I like the idea of trying to debunk it and stuff. So I feel like asking you and having you share these stories, I can pick apart certain things and I can go, Okay, see, to me, that sounds logical. Like you running into your bathroom and hiding, I would have done that, you know? So, I guess with that being said, um, that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about uh, the topic at hand, um, which, um, what, what, what would be the name of this thing? <laughs> like I'm not entirely sure. Well, uh, um, like many things, um, it has many names. But what is it? Which name fits it the best? Uh, I think it's preference for me. I I lean more towards the idea of calling it a crawler, but there are other people who call it a flesh gate. Some people call it a wendigo, a skinwalker. Um, I don't believe it is a wendigo or a skinwalker personally but i understand wholeheartedly where the comparisons are made so with so with you saying that you don't think that it's the wendigo or a skinwalker or anything like that um are you saying that or would you say that people are getting those two confused with what this really is or are you saying that all three of them are in their own that they are their own thing and they exist in their own respective uh or respected um parts of the country or the world i guess i believe that this crawler is its own thing but if it is one or the other then i could lean towards wendigo okay um because in modern or i don't want to say modern but the way wendigo Wendigos are described now lean towards the crawler, um, but I do not feel comfortable calling it a skinwalker. And I believe the skinwalker, and out of respect to indigenous people, I do believe the skinwalker is its own entity, and I don't believe it has any relations with this particular cryptid. Okay, okay. So, uh, I guess I guess with that said, I um, and this is something I guess with with the podcast as well. 
is so when I was younger, when I was a kid, I, I did a lot of research on, you know, uh, the cryptids, aliens, ghosts, things like that, because I was always on the hunt for more, especially like the weird stuff in life. Now, with that being said, um, I kind of sometime in my late teens, I lost the spark for it and I forgot a good chunk. So I'm on this quest of relearning so much and continually to learn more. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I also have you on. And that is, is uh, maybe you can help educate me on what exactly this is. Because I remember when you first told me about it, I thought, so it's not a skinwalker. It's not, you know. And so I did some research. And once again, I thought it'd be, I just thought it'd be really great if you could just, you know, we both have a conversation about it. You explain it to me, the listeners, especially for the ones who are just now uh, beginning to learn about this. It'll be great for them, too. So, uh, I guess if you could, what, what is this exactly? Um, let's, let's start off with the look. What does it look like? So the com common consensus of the appearance of this thing is a humanoid. Okay. Around eight feet tall, nine feet tall. Um, extremely skinny, often described as gaunt, malnourished. Um, it looks weak. Um, and it has long arms and legs. Um, if you've ever seen, <laughs> like, a, I believe it's called a gibbon. Um, if you've ever seen their skeletal systems, the monkey, um, yeah, it's a type of eight monkey. If you've ever seen their skeletal systems, it looks almost like a human, except its arms are incredibly long and it gives this eerie uncanny valley. If you look at that skeleton, I've always imagined that's a great way to kind of picture what these things are described as. And, um, along with that, um, it's described most commonly as having gray skin. Some have said black skin, um, but I wouldn't say, oh, it definitely has black skin. It's People have described it as looking almost like the texture of dolphin skin, um, like that silk, like that sleek shine. It is completely hairless. Although there have been one or two cases where they've described seeing strands of hair. Okay. Um, I guess if, to put a good mental image, if you picture Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings Gollum. Okay. He has little strands of hair. Sure. There have been some encounters of that. Um, its eyes are most commonly pictured as almost sockets. Like... Um, like they're caved in and they're pitch black. Um, people have described them as, again, like staring into a void. Um, their eyes are also been known to reflect light like an animal. Like if you shine a light on your cat, you know, its eyes shine. Sure, sure. Um, another eye color that has been documented with these creatures, um, of course I say documented as in, you know, people sharing their stories. Uh, some people have described seeing red eyes, but most commonly it's, uh, black sunken eyes and, um, their movement 
is they crawl on all fours, though they are capable of standing on two. Um, and they crawl very fast. However, to, to the people who have seen them, there's it says that they walk almost as if they're completely uncomfortable. They walk like fast, but it's not smooth. It's very jittery. It's very clumsy. Like it's, it's like you can tell it's adapted to its form, but it's not, it doesn't look like it was ever intended or designed by nature to be the way it is. Therefore it has a very strange gait. Like bad knees. It's almost like it has a pair of bad knees. Yeah. Again, it's remarkably good at movement. But if you watch it, people have described seeing it almost when they stare at it, it's almost like they pity it. Like they say it almost looks miserable the way it walks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so is this seen in the forest or is this like in like a suburban type area? Most commonly in the forest, which, you know, I'm, you know, um, I never thought, um, you know, I'm from Missouri and, um, I, I never thought in a million years I would hear about an encounter, but somebody was in the city of St. Louis and said, uh, he was walking his dog and he saw it by a street lamp. Um, and they're very known to actually knock on windows, if you can believe it. There are a lot of encounters of people hearing tapping on their windows and they'll turn over and they'll see this thing peering in. So I would say your best chance is finding it in the forest. But um, if this thing doesn't does exist, it's definitely not necessarily opposed to kind of stepping out of its comfort zone sure. and wandering into more uh, urban, you know, populized areas. Do you think this thing is um, extraterrestrial? In its own, or do you think that this is something that is of the earth, maybe like a an experiment gone bad type thing, or is this more of something that has always been here and is just an embodiment of pure evil? I have several theories. Some are a little outlandish, but if I if if it was to be captured today and it was to be proven, oh, this is extraterrestrial, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. I think it could definitely be extraterrestrial. Um, In fact, if it's not of this earth and you believe in extraterrestrials, then I think that's the most logical scenario of what it could be. Right. I know um, some people describe this as a demon, Um, but I don't think it's a demon, but I think it's just human instincts that when we see something that terrifies us, we go straight to demon. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just that's just what we go to. Um, there are people, though, who do think this is actually an animal. That, um, like a Bigfoot, I guess you could say, it's just, it's intelligent. People who, who have seen it say they see, when they look into its eyes, there is an intelligence. It's not dumb. It, it looks at them, and they can tell it's thinking. Um, yeah. So Really? So there is a sense of um, the consciousness that is there. Yeah, there is. And um, and it's been known to have ambush tactics. Um, it's been known to be able to do human mimicry. Um, if you've ever heard like a parrot, 
or one of those birds who can repeat, you know, they repeat what they hear, but when you hear it, you don't like, you know, if it says, you know, if your friend Tim was known for saying, what's up, and your parrot grew a liking to it, and it starts saying, what's up, what's up, you would know it wasn't Tim, right? Um, right. But you can... Because it sounds like a little off and stuff. Exactly. It's just enough to grab the attention of the room. Exactly. You can tell what it's inspired off of. You can sit there and go, sure. oh, I know where he got that what up the what up from. Well, that's kind of how this is described. It's It can mimic sounds, and people think it's a luring tactic to kind of mimic, you know, a loved one or something, and it'll... Uh, it's usually known for saying something the person has said. And when they hear it, their immediate reaction is to like jolt up and see what's going on. But they know something's off. That didn't quite sound like, you know, for example, Tim. It was close, but it was like a parody of Tim. It wasn't him. So it, it's, you know, it's intelligent. I would argue to say it's very intelligent. Well, let's hope for the sake of everything that this thing is not real. <laughs> because I feel like I feel like if I was to come across this thing in the forest, I well, yeah. I don't know if I had time to run, but I'd run and pray that I'd live through it. Yeah. Um so do you so have is there any sort of story? Is there any popular tale that has been passed around about this creature? What brought this to light? So what brought this to light was actually my aunt. Really? Yeah. Um, this was before I ever heard of this thing. And my mom comes into my room and she said, I just had the strangest conversation with your aunt. And I looked at her and I said, why? What's up? And she goes, I was talking on the phone with your aunt, you know, my mom's sister. And she was sitting, and this was nighttime, and she was sitting on the back porch. And my family's from Tennessee, so it's very wooded. They're near the Memphis area. So there's a lot of woods in that area. And she was, and my aunt was talking to my mom on the phone, sitting on the bench outside. And she looks up at the trees, and she saw someone in the trees staring at her. Oh my gosh. And she couldn't make it out, but it kept kind of almost moving. Like it was trying to find that perfect branch or angle to just get that perfect view on my aunt. And it freaked my aunt out so much. She went back inside and told my mom about it. Well, I was like, okay, you know, at the time I was like, okay, that's creepy. Um, But then I learned about this crawler and there have been, um, stories of people saying they've seen this thing hiding in in trees looking down on them and immediately i thought back to my aunt and i thought holy cow i wonder if that was it and then i just kind of went down the rabbit hole and it's become my favorite cryptid because if this thing is real it scares me the most out of any possible cryptid i mean it scares me more than the idea of bigfoot (laughs) really Um, Yeah, because Bigfoot makes sense, okay? Like from from a biological standpoint, if Bigfoot is real, it's probably one of our, you know, it's it's a long-lost ape, an ape we haven't discovered, uh, a 
family member, you know, like the idea of Bigfoot makes sense from like a biology standpoint, but a gaunt, skinny, eight foot bipedal thing that walks on all fours and, you know, black pits for eyes, that doesn't make sense. Right. No, absolutely. And that's a good observation of it. I didn't even see it that way. Very, very, um, very well, well said. Um, so it likes to frequent trees. This is something that it does. It, it, it climbs on trees. It, does it yeah. live in trees or? I don't think it lives. Actually, uh, it's theorized to live in caves. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's theorized that it likes to make its home in caves. And I know there's a famous movie uh, called Crawler where there are these gaunt creatures that lives in caves. Um, and that's actually why people call this thing the crawler because they saw this thing and thought of the movie. So um, just in case anyone's rolling their eyes like, oh, they're getting off this off the movie crawler. I've never seen the movie crawler, but I do know there's creatures similar to what we're describing who lives in caves in that movie is the reason why this thing has gotten one of its many names, the crawler. Um, See, so, so for me, what, what stands out to me is that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I like to think that I know you well enough that if your aunt never had that experience and you heard about this somewhere else, a part of me would think that you would look at this almost like a fictional tale like a legend, like a tall tale. But I guess yeah. with, with your aunt having the experience, you know, how, how can you not listen to that and go with it? D- does, does that make sense? No, it does. Um, and if, you know, if my aunt never had the experience, I probably would look at it like, wow, that's freaky. And maybe I would like, you know, keep a check on it because right. it interests me but read a story as, or two but yeah but would i be as invested and i tell you what i know you mentioned this in your last episode um you mentioned uh the hiking experience i had with my friend uh where the sure. forest went quiet it's known yeah, yeah. to traverse national parks and people say when they see this thing there's they've come to call it the great silence and um, that's when the forest goes still. And, you know, after having that experience with my friend and my aunt's story, you know, sometimes I like to joke and say, man, I was probably right next to that thing. Be, be, before you go on, let's go put a pin in that because this is something I really want to ask you. And I'm glad that, uh, that you're on the show now um, so I can ask you on the show and you can share your uh, first hand from the horse's mouth. How did that feel? Walking through a national park where there is not a sound around you except for you and your friend. And um, I think it was, um, was it a creek that, that was near you or? It was a creek. It was, it was some moving body of water. Um, I apologize to all the outdoorsmen listening to this. I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm. I'm pretty much a city boy, um, but my good friend here is very much an outdoorsman, and he likes to get me outside. Um, like in the last episode that you mentioned, he 
He drives a truck. He's a forester now. He works with plants. He goes out as a job to national parks and cuts down trees. And, you know, um, that's what he loves to do. So he likes to get me out. And when the forest was quiet like that, I didn't really freak out about it until he started freaking out about it because, you know, when you're with, it's kind of like if you're sitting on a plane and you're next to a pilot and the plane jiggles and you look at the pilot and the dude's still stone cold, you know, doesn't care reading his magazine, you're not going to freak out because you're like, oh, right. But let's say the plane jiggles and then you look at the pilot and then he's on edge. <laughs> You know, that all of a sudden, right. that's when, <laughs> that's when you want to scream your head off. Yeah. That's when you're like, okay, he, he knows more than me. So why is he freaking out? What does he know that I don't? So, you know, did the forest at first creep me out? Yeah. Especially getting there. Um, in fact, I don't know right. if you would mind me sharing the journey. No, no, please, please. So my friend tells me he wants to go on this hike and he wants to camp out for the night. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, fast forward, he gets me there. We're driving there. He's never been to this national park before. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't come prepared for this podcast, so I don't have the national park. Uh, but next time, um, I'll get the info for it. And uh, either you can say it on the next episode, or if I'm part of it, I can say it. So I'll get that Absolutely. info. We went to a national park here in Missouri. And the GPS getting there was very interesting because it kept wanting to re-navigate us. And um, we were having all this trouble and we finally got to the place in the road that we needed to drive on was blocked off by a fallen tree. We could not cross it. So we had to kind of move and let the GPS reroute. Okay. And the GPS rerouted us through a man's property. Really? And this, this is backwoods, Missouri. Right. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's where he pulls out the gun and he tells you to go back home. Yeah. These, these are country boys. Right, right. Okay. These are, you know, property means something to these guys. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's not, you know, you don't go trespassing. Um, but we didn't know we were on this guy's property until the GPS rerouted us there and we drive through and the man's outside, the owner of the property and he's working on like in his little shed and he stares at us and he gives us you know the, the stink eye oh, obviously that must be disturbing. Uh, of course he did yeah he gives us the stink eye that's like and, the first you know, tell signs of a horror movie where you cross to the property no, it, it really was and the creepy hick yeah. stares at you and gives you this yeah. this ugly stare and he spits you know <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly and you know he, he didn't necessarily look like a hick but did he look like a country boy yeah he did sure. even you know he had he had a little cowboy hat his little overalls you know he was a hard working man and his property was beautiful i i a fact, lot of land well, huh? i told my friend yeah let's call my friend hunter just to give him a name sure. we'll call him hunter I turned to Hunter and I said, I would not be surprised if this is where the Garden of Eden was. I mean, it was really, he did a fantastic job on his land fan. It was beautiful. He put a lot of pride into mm -hmm. it. So we're driving onto his land and he looks at us and he gives us the stink eye. And, you know, we're pooping bricks right now because it's the good old South. So we wait. Right. And, and of course I'm, I'm sure that there's a fear that he can call the cops on you. He can, 
You know, there's a list of reasons that he can do the Exactly. And it's not like we can be angry. We're the ones trespassing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So we wave at him and we put on our biggest smile. And my friend doesn't even stop. He drives slow and my friend looks at him and he just goes, howdy. Hunter just looks at him and goes, howdy. And the man just nods his head and he lets us continue driving through our property. So I don't know if this, if we're not the first that the GPS has like rerouted there and he's just used to it because he didn't try to stop us, which I thought was very odd. Right. Of course. He didn't say anything to us. He didn't wave at us. He just kind of nodded his head and we drove by and we were just looking at his property. And finally it took us back on the back roads and we're where we need to be. And we start driving and finally we end up in the uh, national park and there's no parking at all there's no place for your car i mean it's just woods and there, and here's the craziest part we were at an incline where we had to drive his truck up and his truck's like a stick and it's a, it was an old truck at a time it could barely make it up and on the side of this incline we were on a hill there was no railings to stop us we would have fell to our death i mean we were that high up really and there was no safety railing oh my goodness and my friend was struggling to get the car up. And finally, he managed it. He looked at me. He goes, I didn't say anything because I didn't want anyone to panic. But I'm serious when I said I did not know if you were about to go down that hill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just kind of looked at him and I just kind of laughed. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of glad you didn't say anything because I thought you had it under control. And he looks at me. He goes, no, man, I, I had a poker face on. I mean, and he was, oh dude, he was going gosh. up that hill like he had pocketed aces, man. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. That's probably more. <laughs> <laughs> just the journey to get there is, is just as scary as what you experienced. It was. It was It was crazy. So we just park in the middle of the woods because there's no. Which, which let me, let me, uh, I'm so sorry to. To no, stop you, but let me just let me just point this out. That right there in its own is also scary, not because you guys almost rolled to your death, but because of the idea of it's never that challenging to get to a public park. Exactly. Or a national park or anything. It should never be that challenging. I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, of course, once you're in and there's certain trails that you can take your car or whatnot. Then there are signs that will tell you, you know, drive at your own well, risk. Well, that's where it's about to get crazier. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Please, please. Yeah, that's that's where it gets even crazier. So we get out of the car. We're parked in the middle of BFE. And my friend goes, hold on. Let me sign up because there's this sheet. And you, you mentioned it in your last episode, but the sheet is there for, you know, if you go missing, you know, at least you can say, hey, we've been here, right? Right. It, it it acts as like like a type of checkpoint. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my friend, he's like, let me let me fill this out. And he looks at it and he just stares at it. I'm like, yo, what's wrong? And he goes, wow, this place isn't uh, traversed much. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, the last people that were here were six months ago. Oh, wow. And I, and I look at the sheet and he's right. And he, I'm like, huh. So he kind of makes a joke and says, he goes, you know what it is? A lot of people don't like to fill these things out because they have a Superman complex and they don't think anything's going to happen. Right. He goes, so they probably just, you know, they just walked in and didn't give it a, you know, a single thought. 
and he's like, but we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to write our names down, which I was like, good on you. Yeah, we good are. on you. <laughs> yeah. So he wrote our names down and he grabs the map and it comes with this little map. And there was one map left, one map left. He even went, wow, that was lucky. And I'm like, what? He goes, there's only one map left of this place. And like, oh, okay. He grabs it. We spray ourselves with, uh, you know, mosquito spray because it's, you know, the summer and mosquitoes get rough in the country. Sure. And we head that way. And my friend's looking at the map and I want to preference this. This may have been my first hike. This was not his. I mean, this guy's been hiking since he was five. I mean, you walk into his house and it's the cliche, like you walk in and you see pictures of him when he was four years old, you know, holding the antlers of a deer he shot. I mean, this is the family we're talking about. Um, he's, he's, he's very um, educated when it comes to traversing the forest and he knows his trees and stuff and he's walking. And normally when him and I go on walks, we talk a lot. Um, there's a forest near his house that we used to walk in. He was very familiar with it. He, he knew it like the back of his hand. And we would just talk, you know, we would make several laps around the forest because we would just be so deep in conversation and weren't ready to tuck in. But when we were in this forest, we were just quiet. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. We walked in a single file line. Usually we walk side by side. This time we walked single file. I stayed behind him. He was in front of me. He didn't say a thing. He was looking at the map and he was just walking. And we were walking for a good 15, 30 minutes without saying anything. And he goes, this doesn't make sense. And I go, what? And he goes, we're supposed to be right here on the map. But we're not. He goes, you know, the map had like these trail markers lined out and stuff. There were no trail markers where we were. And you could see like a cobblestone path kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, someone had placed almost like these rocks to kind of make a road. Okay. And they were like tampered with almost. Like they were moved. And he goes, he goes, this map's incorrect or I'm an idiot. And we made a turn that we're, that, you know, we weren't supposed to. And that was a first for him. Um, and I was like, huh, okay. And, you know, my friend, again, dude's got pocketed aces right now. He's not trying to freak me out. So he's like, oh, I was nothing. Just, you know, And stay that's good on me. him because I'm sure the moment yeah. he would have been like, this is bad, panic mode would have kicked in. And yeah, and I'd like to horrible. say that, oh, I would have panicked. I'd have keep it, kept it cool. But, you know, I don't know. I don't All know. Right. So, you know, but my friend, he was, he was trying to – he was trying to make us have a clear head. He was freaking out, but he was keeping it to himself. Um, and uh, he's like, whatever, uh, we'll just keep walking. He goes, I'm sure. pretty sure I know where we are. And I'm like, okay. We walk for another like 30 minutes. It's been an hour. And we're in these tall like brush of grass. And he just, we're walking and he stops dead in his tracks. I almost bump into him. <laughs> And he turns around and he goes, please don't hate me. He goes, I really am so glad you came out with me. So please don't hate what I'm about to say. And I was like, what's wrong, man? He goes, I cannot tell you why. 
but everything in my body is telling me to get out of this forest. And I stare at him. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, what do you hear right now? Tell me what you hear. And I could hear the movement of water, of, you know, a stream. And I thought there was one relatively close to us. It wasn't necessarily far, but I thought it was pretty close. And I'm like, oh, there's a, there's, you know, a river or stream nearby. And he goes, it's actually not as close as you think it is. It's, it's kind of out there. And I'm like, huh. And I'm like, why is that so significant though? And he goes, well, what else do you hear? And there was nothing. And I looked at him, I'm like, I don't really hear anything else. He goes, he goes, that's not supposed to happen. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we're supposed to be hearing cicadas right now. We're supposed to be hearing birds chirping. Right. There was nothing. It was dead air. And he goes, I don't like our journey here. He told me, I don't like that the map is wrong or that I'm wrong. He goes, I'm never wrong when it comes to doing this. So he goes, I don't know if the map's wrong or my senses are off. And he goes, and I don't like that I can only hear us. He goes, I think we should turn back. He goes, he goes, and he told me, he goes, now, if you insist that we keep going, he goes, I'm fine with that because I'm just thankful I got you out of here in the first place. He goes, I'm sure we'll be fine. But I really recommend we turn back. And buddy, I was like, no, man, let's go. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's wise to uh, test fate. No. And again, with the pirate, with the pilot scenario, if a pilot was like, I think something's wrong with this plane, are you going to sit there mm-hmm. and go, no, man, it's just your, your nerves. <laughs> right. That's when, that's when you want to poop a brick. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, no, man, let's go. And he's like, okay. So we start walking back and we're, we walk back exactly how, we were walking the first place, single file line, not saying a word. And we start walking. What? I'm sorry. What? Um, sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just, I'm just really curious. When he told you, or I guess after he told you t- to take a listen to the forest around you and all that, when you, when the realization that there was not a sound, and then he tells you. That that's not normal. What what went through your mind? I mean, of course, you know, there's the idea of okay, let's go back. But what went through your mind deep within you? You know, it's like when you have an experience, you have like at least I don't know, maybe I'm just weird. But there's like these two parts to me. One is like what I'm gonna tell people, and then the other part is me going, Oh my goodness, we're all gonna die. You know, like <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, You know, so a part of me is curious, if you're anything like me, what went through your mind that you didn't say? Like, like, what was that emotion to sit there and go, oh, man, well, this is weird. You know, like, like, what went through you? The best way I can describe it is I want you, I'm sure we've all had this experience, but I want you to imagine you're in a city you've never been before and you're trying to go to, I don't know, a restaurant, right? And you end up in this shady neighborhood and you have no idea where you are and you're like on edge. You're not necessarily fight or flight, 
but you don't trust anything around you. A single sound of a can maybe getting kicked or a stranger out there, you're suspicious of them because it's not your neighborhood. You don't know the people here. It looks kind of run down. Right. You feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's the best, like, that's the best way I could describe it. We were in something or someone's neighborhood that we weren't supposed to be in and we were vulnerable. I felt vulnerable. Did you feel like harm could fall on you at at any moment? I felt like if we had stayed there, yes, I did not have a sense that we were in immediate danger. Mm -hmm. But I had almost this voice in my head that said, listen to him, because if you stay, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a final warning by something saying, this is your one chance to go back. Some sort of sixth sense that was screaming at you. Exactly. God, the Holy Ghost, my ancestors, whatever you want to call it. Something told my friend and something told me not to question my friend at all. Something told me straight up, you listen to him right now or you may never walk out of this forest again. That's something that my mom would always point out. So as you know, I am uh, half um, the Native American. And my mom, you know, she's a superstitious person and she, you know, she's into all that and the energies of the earth, et cetera, et cetera. But, but that was something that she would always say is it's one thing that if you feel a, uh, a prompting, as some people might, might say, or a warning or a spirit guide or whatever it is that, that you want to say, it's one thing that if they work through you. It's another when they're working through somebody else to send you that message. My mom firmly thinks that if that happens, do not ignore it ever for a tiny bit. Don't ever ignore it. Yeah. And as someone who's experienced that, I, I think your mom is 100% right. 100%. I would, I would vouch for her. Um, those are definitely wise words. And yeah, when my friend highly recommended me turning around, was a little bit of me annoyed? <laughs> Honestly, no. Like, I should have been. We we were an hour in the trail. That means we were going to have to walk an hour back. And I'm someone who doesn't like to walk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and the sun was going down, too. I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't going down, but it was afternoon. You know, we didn't have a lot of time left um to maybe set up camp and have a nice good hike on us and sure but seriously when my friend said i think we should turn around i mean i was told by some voice some feeling whatever you want to call it just said he's right you gotta go and um we did and the last thing that ever happened on that journey oh was we were nearing the car they were walking uphill, and we heard the sound of, I don't know if you want to call it an eagle. It was a bird of prey, a large bird, and it was in distress because my friend goes, huh, something's wrong. And I'm like, why? He goes, that bird's in distress. It started like, I don't know, <laughs> whatever sound birds make, it, it was doing almost like a help cry or it – it wasn't happy. That's all. I mean, I'm no nature expert. It was disturbed by something. 
it, it was disturbed. It wasn't something was upsetting and scaring it. I don't know, but it was making these sounds like it didn't like whatever it was seeing and it wasn't towards us. Um, right. Well, I would like to imagine that those, that those kinds of, uh, that they are used to, that they're used to human beings. Yeah. We didn't pose no threat. And again, it's, you right. know, ideally this trail should be hiked on all the time. <laughs> um, it's not like That's this is some flag, undisco- Yeah. So what made this, you know, so again, just to wrap it up, the trip there had a bunch of red flags. Um, walking had a bunch of red flags. And then I guess the final one was my friend. And then again, just more insurance was that bird that was in distress. Um, it was something was wrong. And that's when my friend goes, we need to get out of here. And we did. And we ended up going to another uh, national park. Um and every when we went to the other national park, everything went smooth. There were parking spots. Um, when we filled in that paper, it was it was filled out like exactly what you expect. There were people there. We ran into people that were also just kind of hiking and stuff. Um, the map that my friend was following was one hundred percent accurate. My friend had no issues navigating us through that forest, and we and. It was loud too. The birds were chirping. The insects were chirping. I mean, it was it was a healthy, happy, vibrant forest. And my friend, when we sat down our camp, we found a nice cave. Um, and we kind of went next to it for because caves are kind of cold, and maybe it wasn't the smartest idea because you know bears and stuff like caves, but. Um, we weren't in the cave. We were just kind of next to it to kind of have nature's AC, if you will. Um, and my friend looks at me. He goes, everything that we just experienced in this hiking trip, he goes, that's how all my hiking trips goes. He goes, this is exactly what the last one was supposed to be. He goes, I don't know what was up with that last one. He goes, I don't know what was. And to this day, because I don't know, I'm a sociopath. I don't know, but I will sometimes kind of like the idea of going back now that I know what I'm in for. And I told my friend, hey, what if we just camp right on the edge of that forest? Um, so if we need to bounce, we can bounce and get to the truck. And he goes, no, I'm, he goes, I'm not, I'm, I'm not down for that. Well, I'll tell you what. And this, and this right here is a promise. I'm down for that, and I will most definitely record an episode of the podcast with you in that forest. I am down for that. I'm down for that, too, (laughs) because he won't go, and it scares me that he won't go, because, again, this is a guy where I'm like, hey, man, you want to go camping? I will hear my doorbell ring in two seconds, and I'll open it, and it's him with the truck and everything loaded, and he goes, dude, why aren't you packed? (laughs) Right, no, exactly. So that that right there is also disturbing. Yeah, that he doesn't even just want to show up. No, he's like, and and sometimes he'll humor me. Sometimes he'll go, um, okay, um, but I'm busy right now. Uh, we'll, you know, <laughs> when I have time, um, we'll do it. I promise. That's not like him. Usually, when a when a camping trip is planned, 
he will make time. Right. I mean, even it's if, almost like he feels bad to tell you no. Yeah, it's 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 like him saying, I really don't want to do this, but I don't want to turn you down. Like, you know what I mean? It's Right. Um but yeah, even to this day, he's hesitant to go back to that national park. And even as a forester um, now, I ask him, I say, hey, man, have, has anything weird happened? And he goes, I mean, you get your, you know, your few scares. Maybe you hear like a mountain lion or something. He goes, but are you asking me, was it anything like the national park we were in? He goes, no. He goes, to this day, I still don't know what that was about. And this is a man who now goes into hundreds of national parks for a living i mean this guy travels the united states i'll text him like hey man you want to play something and he'll be like i can't i'm in montana or i can't right now i'm in michigan i mean this guy travels and sees so many national parks and still to this day that trip we were on is the one that gives him you know goosebumps so that's the one on the top of his list then yeah that's that's wow that's the one that scares him and to wrap this all back around to the crawlers, that's another reason why I got so fascinated because a lot of people who have seen these creatures say they were in national parks and they the, everything went quiet. The great silence happened. So with my aunt's story and having experienced the great silence before, I don't know, man. I mean, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder. So one of the episodes... I was talking about missing people, okay? And um, I was talking about different ways that it's possible for people to go missing. And I'm going to give a disclaimer really quick, just like what I did in that episode. Um, obviously, not every, not every person who kind of disappearing in these parks, not, this doesn't apply to everybody but only to the weird cases that would fall into the category of the missing 411. Um, one of the things that I was talking about was these different ideas of what could it be, you know, aliens, the Bigfoot, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure that, you know, um, some of these, some of these, uh, some of the stories that are shared are really disturbing and they, and they don't make sense at all. So I guess, I guess with all that being said, um, my question to you is, do you feel like, do you, <laughs> this sounds like such a weird question. Do you feel like though, that a part of you in your gut, if you stayed, if you, if you were there, do you think that eventually you would have ended up as one of those people? One of the ones on that list of the gone missing. And do you think when it comes to this, um, to the creature in particular, do you think that this is something that contributes to people going missing? And that is why there's some weird shady behavior when it comes to the parks and the services there that they kind of don't address anything or they kind of, because for me, I feel like there's this weird, almost at times there's this weird the thing that happens where it's almost like they give the impression that they're trying to sweep it under the rug, you know? So I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, do, do you think that this is something that could contribute to being hostile towards humans to where that is why people uh, begin to disappear? Because you said earlier 
that it lives in caves, right? Or it's, I, at least it's said to live in caves. Believed to, yeah. And, uh, and um, one of the things, there was, there was a gentleman, and on the internet he compared the missing people, um, um, a clusters, and he matched them with large cave systems, some of the largest in North America, and they matched the clusters. So I guess with that, do 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 you feel like do you feel like this is something that contributes to missing people? I would not be surprised. I think if this thing does exist, um, it's very likely. Um, this thing is said to be fast, and you know the people that tell us these stories, they usually haven't been chased by this thing unless they're in a car. And even when they're in a car, they say this thing still gave them a run for their money. So imagine this thing chasing you when you're not in a car. I mean, you know, people who have died can't speak for themselves, as sad as that is. So the stories we hear are only from those, you know, who made it. Um, So, yeah, could this be a contributor to the missing 411? I think if it's real, then I think you're ignorant to say it's not one of the pieces i'm not saying it's the sole contributor no i think there's many things but is it probably one of the missing puzzles i think absolutely it could be absolutely it could be so you wouldn't write it off the list for things that no really so so this thing is known to hunt human beings See, that one's hard to answer because a lot of times when people see this thing, they actually catch it in the middle of doing something. Not necessarily being hunted, Mm. but catching it as it's hunting an animal or has successfully killed an animal and is eating it. Or they just accidentally stumble across it. Um, So it almost seems like it's one of those things where if it does hunt humans... There are no humans that have survived to tell the tale. It, it, it can come across that way. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, I haven't heard of a story of someone who's outrun it. I'll say that usually people who have outran this thing um, were in a car or it wasn't necessarily giving it its 100%, almost like it was just trying to scare them away, not necessarily kill them, but just kind of stare, you know, scared away. Because you have to imagine, right? If this thing is intelligent, killing people would probably be the last thing it wants to do because it knows that it's just going to have more people come in searching for the missing person, right? So if this thing is intelligent, at least I would assume, this is just my own theory, I would think that it would be not in its best interest to hunt humans because it's it obviously doesn't want to be seen or, you know, captured. So, and it knows that we travel in packs and that when one of us goes missing, a hundred, a hundred of us come out to look for that person. So I think unless it's very confident in its kill, then I think it will go for it. But I think for the most time, it's not necessarily seeking us out. I just don't think it's very logical or in its advantage to do so. So, it, so from what has been explained of it, it doesn't have a favorite meal in the sense of it only wants a human being. It'll go after anything that it can that it can get. 
Yeah, it's been a lot of times recorded uh, hunting deer. Really? Um, deer? A deer. I mean, I guess that makes sense since there, you know, there's so much of yeah, it. Um, Especially within the forest. The potato chips of the forest, man. You can't just have one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been seen eating rabbits, of course. Um, chickens. Um, there's been a lot of stories of farmers who have chicken coops that get raided. And this is another reason why this thing I believe is intelligent is because it's known to disarm traps. Because what farmers will do is they think it's coyotes or wolves or something. And they'll set these traps that these creatures, you know, would run into. And this thing either sneaks its way around it, disarms it, it finds a way around it. Um, it can disarm a trap. Yeah, it it's a clever, you know, it's a clever bastard. Um, yeah, see, so so that's that to me. Um, that to me is a no no for something that has the uh, the capability, the intelligence to acknowledge a trap as the mechanism is, and has the capability to disarm it. It to me is most disturbing because you know it's not something that you know uh it's kind of like a bear you know you need to have a bear trap anything less it's gonna be a hindrance to it and it, you know it'll just yank the trap off of it or whatever but for it to acknowledge the trap see it and disarm it uh that is an intelligence that disturbs me greatly because you know usually most animals that a um that someone in the woods who would hunt, they're not on the same field of intelligence. Yeah. But it seems like with this with this creature, uh, it's pretty much in this you know in the same ballpark. You know, you're not dealing with something that's stupid. No. You know, and that to me is disturbing. Yeah. Because at this point, it sounds like two of the hunters are fighting each other. To see which one is the prey. And that's disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> and it'll always have the upper hand. Because no one ever, you know, usually goes out looking for this thing, right? So, you know, the hunter thinks he's the hunter. Until he realizes he's not. There's something out there that's, you right. know. He's no longer the apex. Um. Especially something that you don't even know if you can kill it. I mean, well, I'm, I'm assuming, has there been any reports of any of this thing being no, killed? No, in fact, there's a story. There's a lady. Um, I watched this video a long time ago, but um, she has a YouTube video um, or a YouTube channel where she talks about her encounter. I'll try to look it up right now just to give her credit. Um, she hit this thing with her car and um she hit it with i her believe car. she hit it with her car or oh, her name is missy sterling it's her youtube channel missy sterling missy sterling so if anybody's listening i really recommend you go check out her story she either hit it with her car or she nearly hit it with her car um and um Oh, you know what? Um, it wasn't her story, but she hit it with a car. It was another man who hit it with her car. 
but Missy Sterling's uh, story is very similar, but he hit it with a car. And I believe he said he found um, his car had been scratched or indented, but there was like no sign of blood almost, um, almost like it didn't get phased by it. Um, and this thing doesn't seem... And it doesn't have fur, so it's not like it's stuck to the grill of the car. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, you know, there's stories of people who have shot at this thing, and it does run away, but it's almost not described as running away from its life. It's almost running away just because, I don't know, imagine being at an airsoft fight. I mean, you're not going to die right. from getting hit with an airsoft gun, but you still don't want to be hit by it because it's going to hurt, right? Right, right. I mean, that's kind of, you know, when I read stories, um, and if you want to read stories, I recommend our crawlers on Reddit. Um, it's a good hub for it. And a lot of times when it gets shot at, that's almost what it kind of gets written as. Like, it's running away, not because it's scared, oh, man, I'm going to die, but it just doesn't want to get shot out of the inconvenience of getting shot. Well, right, of course. I mean, just just the thought, if someone had a gun, the first thought is to... Um, to distance yourself from that danger that doesn't mean that you yourself yeah. you know will die from from it or anything but you but you don't want to be near it you know so if that's the case i can yeah. totally see why that creature would run especially since if it's running towards the woods where it's it's most comfortable and from what it sounds like it likes to jump into trees so that's something that i could totally see it doing is trying to widen the length between the person who wants to harm it and it itself and it so it can get into it's like the comfort zone i guess one would say yeah and you know going back to missy sterling's uh story um this is where it kind of gets even creepier which is you know earlier you asked me would you say it's wendigo a skinwalker an alien she believes that um she ran over a child version of this thing because it matched all the descriptions, but it wasn't necessarily eight feet tall yet. And she said when it looked at her car, it looked very scared, almost as scared as she was. Like it didn't know what it was looking at. And it kind of like ran away. Um, so that begs, you know, the question, you know, can, if is this a creature that reproduces? Um, you know, I sure hope not. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, and her story with the infant that she believes is the infant is the only story I've ever heard where the thing looks scared back. Usually this thing is not described as being scared back. But she believes she ran into an infant version and it was scared. And if it was an infant, that makes sense, right? And, you know, it's it's just a baby. Right, right, right. It doesn't know anything and it has the innocence to it. Yeah, and you see this, you know giant machine with blinding lights heading your way at 40 miles an hour <laughs> sure well, that scare anybody right i want to i want to share with you a little story um uh you and and the listeners uh, i have not shared this one yet so i think i shared it to you privately but i don't remember actually i'm pretty sure i did but i digress uh, a couple months ago, back uh, during the spring, maybe it was around April, March of 2021, um, I went to Moab. I went on like a little little camping trip. We weren't in the middle of nowhere. We were uh, we were staying at these um, 
It's kind of like a cabin thing, even though it's the middle of the desert. And we were in Moab, Utah. If you haven't been to Moab, Utah, or for anyone who hasn't, beautiful area. Uh, orange rocks. We were right next to uh, the Delicate Arch. So we were right next to Arches National Park. And yes, that's something... There's a reason why I'm saying that. We were right next to a national park. And when I say right next to it, I'm a mile away. Mile, two miles, most. And there was a night where I looked at a friend of mine and I said, Hey, look, uh, I'm going to go for a nighttime walk. Are you in or, you know? And he goes, No, no, yeah, I, w- I would love to join you. So he... um. um we we were getting ready, and he went outside of the cabin to put his shoes on. He left his uh, his shoes outside, which is a bad mistake. I don't know why you'd leave it outside in the desert land, but he did. And uh, another person that we were with who had uh, his own type of cabin saw him slipping his shoes on, and he asked him what he was doing. And he said, oh, you know... Uh, me and Tuesday are going to go for a nighttime walk. But he goes, well, I would love to join. So we thought, okay, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally fine. And, um, eventually two more people decided to join because they heard about it too. And so it was a group of, uh, let's say me, my friend, the third, so five of us, five of us are, Walking in the desert at night. I know it sounds stupid, but bear, but bear with me. There's these main trails that people take. You know, they like to bring like their um, the ATVs, the dirt bikes, uh, a side by side, things like that. A, uh, I believe some are called the uh, the UTVs, things like that. And we were walking on these main roads. Uh, Are these main trails, I guess. And earlier that day, we we went uh, what's called uh, topaz hunting. We were just looking for rocks and things like that. And we saw this spot during during the day. And we thought, oh, you know, it's really cool. Let's go, you know, let's go back there sometime. We called it butt rock because it looked like two butt cheeks. And so we called it the butt rock. And so we planned to walk there. And um, I, I'm i really not trying to brag or anything. I don't know why someone can brag about this. But um, I'm, I'm pretty skilled at uh, knowing where I've been. So I can backtrack pretty well. Um, I can. I just have a pretty good idea of where I'm at. Um, Usually at all times. And so I thought, well, I, I know how to get there. And, and even if it's in the middle of the night, I, I know how to get there. So we went down the trail. Sure enough, we made it to Butt Rock. But on the way, on the way to the rocks itself, we, um, one of, one of my friends started sharing this creepy story. Okay. And eventually everyone got creeped out and then I shared one and everyone really got, you know, creeped out and scared. And we thought, oh, you know, it's just the jitters of a, 
of a creepy tale. Well, we climb up on the rock. We're sitting there. We we turn off our you know our lights, anything that we had on us. We turn it off, and we're sitting in in the darkness. And off in the distance, you can see the headlights and the tail lights of of the cars and the truckers and things like that driving through driving through the night. And we were talking about other things, you know, school, how everything's going, and you've seen any good movies. And one of one of our friends, one of the people that we were with, stood up and started to shine his light around us. So I looked at him and I said, are are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And he goes, yeah, no, you know, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just walking around. Okay. And we went back to talking, talking about animals and what do you want to do? You know, once you can graduate college and things like that, I'm not, I'm not in college myself, but the person I was talking to was, and we talked about hobbies and, you know, pretty much anything that normal humans, you know, like to talk about, right? Especially adults, which I don't like adult talk bothers me a part of me wants to be a kid forever but we were um we were talking about that some more probably three four minutes go by after i asked uh i asked the person i was with if he was okay i look back at him and i go are you sure that you're okay and he looks at us and he goes you know i don't know i don't know if i uh i don't know if i if I want to stay here much longer, I think that we should go back. We said, okay, sure. Well, that's not true. I'm sorry. I lied. They said, the other two people that we were that I was with said, sure. I told them, you know what? Um, I think I'm going to pass. I'm going to stay out here for about 10, 20 minutes longer. Look up at the sky. You know, really stare at the stars. Enjoy it. Because, you know, that area, we were, you know, there wasn't that much light pollution. You know, it was pretty much, a, you know, a starry night. It wasn't wasn't perfect, but it was much better than being in the city. And I, I remember when I told him, no, I'm going to stay. The original friend that I asked if he wanted to go on a nighttime walk with, he said that he'll stay with me. And I, I and I remember as soon as I said, no, I think I'm going to stay. Then when he chimed in and said that he'll stay with me, I remember just this feeling. I I, I just can't explain it. Uh, but it's interesting because I think that you put it perfectly into words when you said it's like being in the neighborhood that you're not supposed to be in. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was walking through someone's neighborhood at night and they're staring at me. And I just I just remember I had this feeling... And this, this emotion swept over me where it was like, you know what? You should probably change your mind and go back. So that's what I did. I said, hey, you know what? Um, I think I'm good. I think I, think I am going to go back with you guys. And they said, okay, good. And we start walking. And that same friend that was really freaking out, he got worse really started to panic. I mean, paranoia 
to the max. And it was in that moment, and it's actually be, because of you and your encounter that it hit me, but when everyone was making sure that he was fine, it hit me. I haven't heard a single cricket at all. I didn't hear anything. When earlier within the walk, that's all we heard was a bunch of crickets. So somewhere between after the point where I first started to hear the crickets, between that and leaving the rocks itself, there were no crickets. And I remember I looked over at one of the people that was with us and I said, "Do you? did you hear any crickets? And they go, I don't hear any now. I'm like, but did you hear any earlier? And the person stopped and really thought about it. Like you could, you could see the gears beginning to turn. And they looked at me and they said, you know what? Only when we first started walking was when I, was when I heard the crickets. And then another friend said the same thing. And then it was just this chain reaction of, oh my gosh, yeah. Anyway, one of the people that we were with, uh, a religious man, very religious, very spiritual, uh, asked to asked to give a prayer. And I'm sure that some people, oh, oh, here we go, prayer. Yeah. Well, we you know we all said yeah. I'm like, what are we gonna tell him no? You know, so we all said yeah. yeah sure. You know what? Fine. I kid you not. As soon as that prayer was done. I think like 10 seconds later, we started to hear a bunch of crickets. Some may say that that's a coincidence. I don't know. I don't know. And then that same friend who was feeling dread and he was paranoid and who was, he became much better. He felt this relief, this feeling lift, lift off his chest. So why am I saying this? Um, for one, it's like a callback to your story. Where you're in that, when you're in that zone and you have the feeling that you shouldn't be there. And two, uh, and this goes in hand with the topic, I do believe that there are things out there that we cannot explain, especially when we're out in the middle of nowhere, especially when we're out in a terrain that I guess once upon a time used to belong to us. But we gave that up for the city life and paved roads and vehicles and things of that nature and air condition. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. So, so I guess, I guess what I am trying to express is that I know some people might hear these stories and they go, oh my goodness, you know, this is poppycock. And uh, honestly, I'm sure. I'm sure that a good deal of stories out there are. And I won't say that they aren't. But the idea to shoot them all down immediately, I can't do that. I just can't. I find it nearly impossible for for my brain to do that. Because there is that side of me that's going, but what if on the off chance it's true? And I know some people, when they hear your story, they're going to sit there and they're going to go, oh my goodness. What you experienced was uh, a hallucination or you overthought it. 
or you or you and your friend are crazy or your friend was pulling a prank on you. They're going to come up with a thousand reasons, right? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, I find it very hard to explain some of these things. And at the end of the day as well, how, how do you explain 600,000 people missing as of 2019? And that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to point out is you can't just push all that aside. You can't push 600,000 experiences and stories and say, well, it's really logical. I can't. I just can't. So if there is a creature out there that exists that is claiming us, that wants our flesh, you know, and and it's not just this creature in particular. And this is something, and this uh, this kind of helps me blend into something that I wanted to bring up to you. I was trying to study something, and I came across a Native American tale. Okay. Um, it was, it's a tale that belongs to the natives of what would be um, modern-day Washington and Oregon. And the tribe would be the uh, the Yakima. Okay. And they talk about this tale. Okay. It's called the Ta-Ta-Kliha. Which, basically, the story is, is that there used to be these giant owl women half women, half owl, what brought, or I guess what gave me that chill was because, if I'm not mistaken, you, um, and I don't think that you even said this yet, but um, one of the things that I learned about this creature that we're talking about in particular is that uh, it's it's known to change its shape, right? Uh, depends on who you talk to. Um, for me personally, I don't know if I believe it. it can, but yeah, um, there are people who do believe it is a shapeshifter, which is why some people do call it a uh, skinwalker. Re well, that's really interesting because the Tata Kliha is also a shapeshifter. And then, and then you have the Navajo tale of, of the skinwalker. And so I guess this is what I'm trying to point out, right? Because in, it brings me back to what I was saying in one of the episodes where it's very hard to combat something when you look at different um, different places of the planet that at one point in time didn't know that, that the other existed and didn't have any means of communication with the other. You know what I mean? So it's interesting to see that almost... That almost five tribes share a creature, an entity in which it can shape, uh, it can shape shift. So when you present you, my my good friend, when you present something to me, and you talk about this shapeshifter, and this is the point of me saying, and everything that 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 I have been saying, 
with my experiences, with everything that I've witnessed in the stories that you've shared. And, and for the people who are listening, because I, I know that I don't have to tell you this, but for the people who are listening, we, we aren't the only ones who've had moments of, what did you call it? The great silence? Yep. We aren't the only ones who had the experience of the great, the silence. If you, if you go online and you, and, and you look at forums and everything, there are people who share, many people who will, who will say, I was in the woods today and everything just went quiet. And my dog was uncomfortable. Or things of that nature. We are, we are not the only ones. It is a phenomena that does exist. And so going back to topic at hand, for you to share your stories, or for you to share your story with me, and for me to have experienced what I have experienced, and to see what others have experienced. And then you have multiple tribes across the country talking about an entity that shapeshifts, that can mimic voices and sound to lure you in. Why, why is it so wrong to assume that this, that this thing can't be on the list? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I completely get what you're saying. You know, it why why now? And some people will all go, so you're telling me that there's multiple things? No. But what I am saying is when is it gonna be how many how much of a coincidence does it have to be for it not to be one? Does that make sense? To yeah. where it's you have multiple things sharing, you know, essentially almost the same tale, right? There's a few twists on it, sure. Then we have people who go missing, in which it ta- which there are many tales where there's something out there that exists that consumes humans, or that people end up going missing around cave systems. There's so many things that stack up and it's always, it, it's a coincidence. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. When does it, when is the line drawn in the sand for it not to be a coincidence? And I, and I know some people are going to say when I see it, but even then, even if you saw it, would, would you believe it? would you sit there and say, oh, it was a trick of the brain? Because just like what happened to you, right? You shared your story with a person who, a clairvoyant at that, someone who should be more open-minded to the idea of a shadow man standing in your room. And immediately, you experience fatigue. You're stressed from school. So even the times when there is something that has a lot of uh, a lot of juice, a lot of juice to it, it is still shot down. And I'm a firm believer that the brain activates some sort of 
protection. So you don't freak out, or so you don't enter this state of madness? I'm not entirely sure what the word would be. I think, but I'm um, saying... If I might intrude. Um, sure. You know, you and I talk about this a lot, but, um, you know, my father's, you know, from Denmark, the fatherland. Uh, he moved to the United States when he was 18. Uh, okay. and Danes are very interesting people because... Um, Danes are very logical thinkers, extremely logical. They believe in science. They believe in, which is great, very, very smart people. Um, and they don't, a lot of them don't believe in ghosts, my father being one of them. My father never believed in ghosts. Um, but he would get scared and he, he wouldn't want to watch uh, horror movies or he wouldn't want to watch, um, he wouldn't want to do anything scary. And when our house was haunted, you know, um, this is before I could remember, but we've moved a lot over the years and the house would be haunted and my dad would go up to my mom and he would say, I don't know what you've done, but you get rid of it. And my mom would go, I, don't, I thought you didn't believe <laughs> in it. And he goes, I don't, but I want you to get rid of it. And then it's like, that doesn't make sense until finally my dad admitted, he goes, okay, deep down, I believe in it. But I don't want to because I don't like the idea of there existing something I can't kill or something that I can't understand. And kind of going off of what you said, I think that's kind of that defense mechanism. You know, it's a coincidence. Right. Deep down we believe in it, but, you know, we can't because it just wouldn't make sense. It's like, it's you know, it's, yeah, like a sanity thing, you know? That, that's always something that has intrigued me about human beings. We get angry at something that we don't understand. I, I always found that, or I always saw that as, as a common trend when it comes to reactions. Even though, interestingly enough, and I don't know if you will agree with me, but I feel like the generations that are, that are um, beginning to grow up now, they they seem to be more open-minded than, than the ones back then, or at least, yeah, the past few of the generations rather should i say so but part part of me wonders if you know in our parents generation you know the fear of god was struck into them you right. know it was almost it was almost heresy to admit in that kind of stuff and you know now that's kind of changing in millennials gen z um you know with the advent of the internet and we're all just together it's you know there's no <laughs> privacy is about to go away it really doesn't exist anymore we're so closely connected and we all hear these stories i just think how can we not be open-minded right because you know when our parents were growing up and before then the only stories you heard was your neighbor's and mm -hmm. then beyond that, it was your neighbors sharing a story they heard. It became a game of telephone. But now we're so connected, we can instantly hear a story fresh, you know, as you say, the horse's mouth from the other side of the world, thanks to the Internet. And I just think because of that, you know, we're a lot more um, open minded to their being things that we just don't understand that I just don't think the generations before us had that privilege. Right. No. And I, and I can completely see that. And I do agree. And, 
it all, in a way, it actually makes me hopeful for, I guess, topics like this, mainly because, and I guess this is something that has always been my argument, is that you don't have to believe it, but you don't have to shoot it down, especially so rudely. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah. And so it's like, and I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier. Where it's like having all these experiences and stuff, it's very easy to go, oh, hey, um, by the way, this is crap. This is stupid. I don't believe it. But when you start to connect these dots and you start to go, wait a minute, why is it that multiple tribes talk about essentially the same thing? Why is it that certain things do this? And then, you know, you make this list of all these little dots that can connect and you and you stare at it and my thing is you don't have to believe it but you can't honestly look at me in the eye and downplay it and chalk it up to mass hysteria fatigue D you know like does that make sense like that's then that's what i meant by you when is that line in the sand going to be drawn and i think that's the beautiful thing about technology nowadays is that now you're starting to hear more people go wait a minute no this is true this happened to me you know i'm sure if i had a comment section i'm sure people would would write that they too have seen a shadow man or that they too have experienced the great silence. You know, and I'm not going to say all of them are telling the truth. But you can't tell me out of a list of 100,000 people that all 100,000 are lying. I don't believe it. I don't. You know, and that's where some people go, so, so you believe in ghosts? I don't know if it's ghosts. And it's just as you said earlier, if someone was to say that it's an alien, very plausible. That's kind of where I exist. Is my first jump is what if it's extraterrestrial? Because if it's not, then that means it's native to this planet and God help us all. Yeah, it's almost comforting if it's extraterrestrial, right? Yes, exa exactly. There's a level of comfort where it's like, hmm? Oh, no, 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 this isn't from Earth. Yeah, this, this is from this is from the planet. Ooh, <laughs> totally exactly. get. It. I'll go. Oh, thank you. Okay, cool. Like sweet, mm. awesome. <laughs> it's kind of like in the quiet place, you know. Spoilers in case anyone hasn't seen it, but you know you see the meteor in part two, so that shows that they're that they're not from the planet. Imagine if that what? Imagine if they came from from the planet Earth. Imagine that. But yeah, there is a level of comfort because it's like, oh, I get it now. They're from space. They're from a different, they're extraterrestrial in origin. So the idea that these things are being talked about for hundreds of years is disturbing. And I think, and you know what? I think at the end of it all, I think this is what the episode will more than likely be titled. It's not about the flesh gate or shapeshifters or anything. I think that this will be a runoff of the missing. I think that this is more of a conversation of the missing 
as to the possibilities of what caused them to go missing. And so, I guess with all that, why, why can't this thing be a possibility? Just because you don't like the idea, it's kind of like that, that shadow man that stood in your room. You try to ignore it, right? And at the, and at the end of it all, it didn't mean anything. Because no matter how hard you closed your eyes, it made sure to let you know that it was still there. And that's how I view these things, right? We, we can ignore it all we want, right? Not, not saying it's real, not saying it's fake, but back to the what if game, let's say that it, that it's real. We can ignore it all we want. Doesn't make it any less real. And it doesn't change the experiences that you had. Especially when you have somebody like your friend who is an experienced outdoorsman to sit there to this day and go, I have no idea what the heck that was. To me, that gives me chills. And I mean that. It's a weird world. And I think it always has been. Yep. And I think it always will be. And it's not because of us. When you have Native Americans who pass these, and not just the Native Americans, different people throughout history share their own tales of disturbing things. But if you're telling me the whole country of North America prior to the white man, you're, you're telling me the whole country of North America shares tales of shapeshifters and things that can mimic the human voice. And we're just going to chalk it up to it's fake. It's fiction. It's a fairy tale that the that the people of old decided to pass down to the young to teach him a lesson. I'm, I am a believer that at some point, a, a folktale or a legend had truth to it. I'm a firm believer in that. And I kind of expressed that in an episode before this one. But... May I, uh, may I propose sure. an interesting other, I guess a question. Sure. Something to think about. Now this is going to sound very tin foil hatty, but I feel like we're beyond caring about that in this podcast. <laughs> um, you ever, you know, the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> what came first? The monster or the folklore? You know, what if, right? What if the human consciousness is so powerful to where if enough people believe in something, 
it'll become so. What if, like, right, for this creature, okay, this crawler, some people will go, oh, it's based off the rake, okay? What if enough people believed in that? What if the movie, The Crawler, what if enough people put that together in the collective consciousness created this thing into existence? Okay? The werewolf to the dog man, right? Um, I'm not saying, you know, this is obviously what happened, but I do think it's, you know, how powerful is the conscious? I mean, we don't know. So sometimes I often ask myself, what came first? Did we create the folklore because we found these things and this is our ancestors' way of describing it? Or is it the folklore itself that created these weird things on our planet? Um, I hope that doesn't sound too, you know, <laughs> tinfoil hatty, but it's just something I've I've always thought about. And I just I just wanted to share that. That's a beautiful question. What came first? The monster or the legend? Couldn't have said it any better myself. And you know what? I think that that's a perfect question to leave with all the listeners out there. Think about it. Very well, very well said, my friend. Very well said. Thank you. I think, uh, you know what? I think that's a perfect spot to end it. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for taking time out of your out of your day, I guess night rather, for joining the show. Thank you for and sharing you. your. Of, of course, my friend. And I will have you again soon. I would love to do another episode with you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, which I'm I'm fairly certain that the reception will be good with this. Um. But it has been an honor, and I hope to, uh, and I hope to have you on more. I would love to, man. So, if there's anything that you would like to say, any last words, any last bits, um, please, please. Um, I guess my last words I'd like to leave with the audience is um, whether you believe in this stuff or not. I like to think there's a part of you that does if you've made it this far in the podcast. If you have a friend or, you know, someone who's experiencing these things, you know, even if you don't believe in it, um, it goes a long way to just humor them. It goes a long way to just make them not feel crazy or not feel alone. Um, you don't have to necessarily agree with them, but, you know, please don't go out and call them crazy. Please don't, you know, make jokes that they need to go to a psych ward. I mean, I like to think as a is the human race we're beyond that now we're beyond just immediately going oh he's crazy lock him up you know be there Amen. for people who who need that help and again maybe they didn't see anything but it helps so much um just to have somebody that you can go to when something has rocked your world so that's that's what i would like to leave with thank you for saying that honestly um that's actually one of the things I said in the first episode. No, I'm sorry. In my introduction, in the trailer, excuse me, in the trailer, was I hope that this is a place where people can talk about the taboo in a, in a safe space, you know, in a judgment-free zone. 
you know, I know some of the things that we're talking about is a little outrageous, but why can't we go out of the norm? And I, and I want to thank you for being a part of that community. Um, so thank you, my friend. Thank you for being, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And I guess with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listeners to the podcast, I want to thank you for joining me and my really good friend here. We hope that, uh, we hope that we hope that we added something, some sort of thought, some sort of understanding. Uh, and if you don't believe anything, well, I hope that we were a nice time killer on whatever it is that you need. We want to thank you. We, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank you for for contributing to a community. As weird as it sounds, uh, it means a lot, you know, to not know that you're not the only one who goes through something, that you're not the only one to experience a great silence, to know that you're not the only one who who likes talking about this. There's a lot of people who enjoy this this kind of conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Please understand that if you are a viewer who likes to listen to this, don't let anyone uh, try to judge you for it. Enjoy it. Talk about those, those, those stories that you hear at night or stuff that you read on the internet. Talk about them. Enjoy them. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, thank you so much and take care of yourself. See ya.